Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And means, yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way. This one officially goes down. Episode number 188. You could jump on the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stirred on Twitter. You can get our podcasts from the Believe Network, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts, of course. Hop on the YouTube channel as well. My guest today, a part of the Believe Network family, hosting in the Believe in the Bronx. We'll hit that. Also talk some Strohs. He, of course, AT&T Sports Analyst for the Astros. Longtime reliever of the big leagues. Longtime friend, Mike Stanton. Hopping on board. Mike, appreciate you, buddy. How are you? Casey, I'm doing well, man. It's good to see you again. I'm doing, and, it, and it's good to be seen. And if people knew all the, <laughs> the technological stuff you and I just went through to, to get you seen, they would know just how much more magical all of this is. It, right. it is amazing. The, the, the older we get, like, you know, my kids, so my, my, my youngest daughter is six, and I'm convinced that if I go back to when I was like 18, she was uh-huh. probably at the level I was at at 18 with technology. It's amazing. I may be even less than that. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. I'm okay. As long as I have like two buttons to push after that, yeah. I'm screwed. Yeah. I mean, you know, I am somebody who still has, I don't use it often. Still, if, if you have an AOL or a Hotmail account, uh, you definitely been around too long. Uh, we, of course, yeah, yeah. We're around here in these parts uh, in part because of Bet Online. We appreciate them. Bet Online, your number one source for your championship finals, info, stats, news, and scores. Latest odds and lines, matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. Your sports intel headquarters this season got you covered. Insider sports wagering needs, basketball, hockey, MLB, UFC, and boxing. It is the fastest and easiest way. Get your betting info, betting options, favorite casino and card games, all right from your home. So do it. Get into the action today. Head to the website or use the mobile device and join on Get on board but you better use the promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v so you'll get your 50 percent bonus on your first deposit it's been online where the game starts and i want to get started here and start in houston because yeah i know it's the nationals but as we do this here on a wednesday uh, a big win yesterday and a couple of things i wanted to hit but in talk specifically about hunter brown when when you're dealing with young pitchers we're always expecting especially when they're highly touted mike you know, in yeah. today's day and age of like the what have you done for me lately? Every start is supposed to be, you know, on the trajectory of whatever you're supposed to doing. And I see it in New York with Francisco Alvarez, even on the hitting side. Prospects are always this way. How much do performances like that, regardless of who he's facing, seven scoreless yesterday, continue to push forward the idea that this guy is growing into what everybody expects him to be? Well, I think it even goes deeper than that because you look at the numbers. Yeah, it was a four-hit shutout through seven. He walked a couple guys, didn't have a whole lot of swing and miss, uh, got three double plays. And so what it did to me was, yeah, he put up great numbers, but if you actually watch the game, especially the beginning of the game, he actually wasn't throwing the ball all that well. You know, he he, uh, got a couple base runners right off the bat. Things were kind of rocky, got the double play. But it was one of those starts that the stuff was still very good because, well, his stuff is always very fantastic. Good, but it just yeah. wasn't as dominant as it looked. I thought it was a real mature start. He kept pounding the zone. You know, he didn't have his best command. The curveballs, you know, almost always good. But uh, you know, even the fastball velocity, you know, he, it it was on average it was up. But we saw fastballs 93, 94 miles an hour, and then he went up to 98. To me, what that says is. He just wasn't, but he was in the proper mental state to go out there and execute the pitches and do what he needs to do. You know, we talk about strikeouts, I think, way too much. You know, strikeouts, 
uh, yeah, they may be a sexy number, but they increase your pitch count. Um, you know, there's just a lot of, you, there's just a lot of thing and you're not going to go as deep into the game. So I just thought it was a really mature start and he's actually been very, very good. He's only had one or two starts that, that have been even questionable. Um, he's really been a godsend with the Astros, which is amazing, because- right? I mean, how rare is that? The consistency of that, Mike, for a young pitcher. And, and I want right. to go back to something you just said, cause I, to, to have you expound on it. When you kind of put yourself in, whether it's starting or relieving early in your career, and you think about young pitchers in general, how much more is he learning and oozing confidence from himself when he's able to get outs when he doesn't have it, right? I mean, are you gaining more from that as a pitcher, as a young pitcher, especially, Mike, when you know, because sometimes I'm sure you're you're coming in there hot and you just know, okay, I got it tonight, and you're on just kind of, you know, I mean, your cruise control. Are you learning and getting even more confidence if you're a Hunter Brown in an outing like that? Well, I think you absolutely are. You know, when you're out there, especially when you got plus stuff like Hunter does, you know, the 92 mile an hour slider, the devastating curveball and the high velocity fastball, you know, when you're going out there and you're shoving, the game's kind of easy, you know, especially when you got superior stuff. Um, but when you're not, when you're not feeling well, I mean, what it, you know, what does maturity really mean? Well, it means it's really mental thing. It's a mental approach. That's what it is that, you know, when you don't have your best stuff, you don't feel the best. Now, all of a sudden, you don't go into panic mode and start overthrowing or whatever. You know, whatever you have that particular day, you go out and get big lady hitters out. You know, your job's not to strike everyone. You know, your job is to create weak contact. That's really what your job is. You know, keep the hitters off balance and create weak contact. If you do that, you're going to have success. On occasion, you're going to get hit. Yes. But, you know, his stuff is so good. There really has been no downgrade whatsoever. What's he going to look like in September when he's got 170 innings? Well, that's another question. We'll see what happens back then. But right now, um, you know, with the Astros losing 40% of their rotation in two days, Luis Garcia and Jose Urquidy, uh, back-to-back days, I mean, he really has been a godsend for this Astros team with the consistency he's been able to run out there with. You think about it, it's been kind of a calling card of this team over the years of guys being asked to do more earlier than they're supposed to. You could go back to Payne, you can go to Bregman, you can go to Javi, you can go to, I mean, how many guys? I mean, who always yep. seem to be, right? That tells you good culture of an organization. We used to say those things about used to the St. Louis Cardinals, not today, certainly, (laughs) but we used to say, right. But where guys are just seemingly would step in the rays have things like that. Seem it it tells you the culture where guys are being developed, right. And they're ready to win. How do you kind of assess this team? What 38 and 29, they're three and a half out, you know, and I want to get into the Rangers in a second, but you know, it is difficult to repeat the level of success this team has been able to do for so many years, because you have to do it over the course of a regular season, Mike, to get into a postseason, to yeah. then get to those LCSs and win those titles. How do you kind of assess the damages, if you will, nine over 500, three and a half out of the division, now two and a half months in? You know, they had that two-week run that they went like 14 and three or something like that. <clears throat> that was really when they were clicking on all cylinders. That's the only time it's really happened this year. They've had games here and there, but the offense has been very inconsistent. And, you know, they're doing it without Jordan right now. And and that's a big, big blow. I mean, Jordan, one of the most dangerous hitters in, in all the sport. And one of the biggest reasons why they've put up the numbers they have. Him and 
know, Tucker has been hot and cold as of late, but those are really the two guys doing the heavy lifting. Um, So the pitching has been really remarkable. This last road trip, yeah, not so much. They did look tired. They played. um, And by the end of that, that last series in Cleveland, they did look a little fatigued, but, um, you know, it's the offense that has been the biggest issue because there just hasn't been the consistency uh, that we've seen in the past. I from, yeah, afar, just sitting there watching this division because uh, they're two of my favorite people and, and Dusty's a personal friend, but watching Dusty and Bruce Bochy like sitting there <laughs> in this, I mean, it really is just amazing. Uh, you know, we could go to Tito and how many guys around the league are still proving that that managing is is important. Uh, right. You know, I, I was not surprised, as I'm sure you are not, to see Boach continue to have this team in Texas grow to another level. But to not have DeGrom, and it's so sad to see what's happened, obviously, and I was heartbroken for him watching mm-hmm. him in tears because I, I don't, I, I mean, such a competitor wants to be out there as much as anybody, but not there. But to see Evaldi and the rest of that group come together to watch this offense that nobody saw coming. Look, the the Rays right. offense with the homers and the Rangers that have put together, it's one thing with Seager and Semyon, but the Hyman on the, ever on down the line, what's impressed you most in the time that you've seen the Astros and Rangers tangle about what Texas is doing, Mike? You know, I, they, they've really played very good baseball, and they've pitched better than to be expected. I mean, you look at their run differential. I mean, they're blowing the Astros away uh, in, in that category. Uh, this was a good offensive team last year. I don't, I don't think you're, I'm, it's really surprising that they're, they've scored a bunch of runs to the level that they are right now. Yeah, yeah I, it's, it, that's, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like seven guys out there with OPS over 800. going to be difficult, I think, to continue that all the way through the season. The question really is going to be, can the pitching hold up? You know, the bullpen still has some question marks. Um, you know, Ovaldi, uh, one of the ultimate bulldogs in all of the sport, but also a guy that spent a lot of time on the aisle. So, you know, can he continue to do it, even though he's been shoving and there's really been no questions so far? I don't know. I think that once we get into uh, the, the heat of the summer, once we get into August to the dog days, we'll have to wait and see where they are. But as, the crazy thing is, is, you know, as far as the Astros are concerned, you'd really say that they haven't played, you know, Astro level baseball. But as we speak right now, they're only three and a half games back. So it's been pretty remarkable, as great as the Rangers have been. And I don't think the Rangers are going to fall off the cliff. I don't think it's going to be a situation that they just can't win a baseball game. I do think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, you you go from coming down to earth to being like below earth and watching the situation in Oakland. And look, I, I... as bad as I felt and feel for that fan base is how excited I've been watching this for those players and for that fan base to, to be in that. I mean, I think of the movie major league, right. With the mannequin. And it's like, you know, it, it, the, the, the identity of the why not us? Cause everyone's against us. Right. Well, this is according to Elias. It's the for last time. 1895 was the last time we saw a team it was a 194 winning percentage, win as many as seven games in a row. They got the boycott night with all the fans in the building. As just an athlete and somebody who loves the sport, how much are you enjoying the fight that is being shown against all these odds by this Oakland team? 
You know, I I, uh, I do pre and post game for the Astros with a guy. His name is Kevin Eschenfelder. He's a he's an icon down here in Houston. He's been doing it for like thirty plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we were discussing them when Oakland was in town just a couple weeks ago, and I made the statement. I said, "Listen, everybody's going to get hot. These t- this team is going to go on a run." And he goes. Mike, we've been working together a long time. This is the first time I've ever done this, but I'm going to have to disagree with you. Yeah, right. This is a bad Major League Baseball yes. team. I said, it is, but they're still Major League Baseball players. And at some point, it's all relative. You know, I'm not saying they're going to win 20 in a row, but it's all relative. They're going to win some baseball games, and they're going to do it against somebody that um, they really shouldn't. And it's like probably Atlanta, who they took a series team. from. I'm you sitting there watching. It. I couldn't believe it. That's right. That's right. And, um, and I really – who I feel for is I really feel for the, the athletic fans because yeah. they have a great – even though it's not the biggest fan base, they have a great fan base. And when they're good, man, that's not a pleasant place to play. I mean, they come out and they're boisterous and they, they, they let you have it as an opponent. Um, but it, it's good to see that this continuous cycle that they've been in there at Oakland of, of are they going to move? Are they aren't? Or are they not going to move? They don't have any money. They can't keep their free agents. They can't do this. They can't do that. You know, hopefully this does work out with Las Vegas. I know there's still a lot of hurdles that they have to to cross in order to get there, but at least it's looking like it's trending in the right direction. Yeah, and look, you know, the sad thing I think for the A's fans who are in Oakland is if you watch the celebration in Vegas and just how that. That fan base has, and that's a, that's a sport that it knew nothing about, except people who were maybe gambling on it in casinos who were hockey fans. The way they've embraced that team, the scenes of that celebration in that place yesterday only furthers, and I hate saying this for the folks in Oakland, but furthers how great for the game, unfortunately, that could be to kind of put those two together. Uh, we know how great, last thing on the West, and then on the shifties, we know how great Otani is, but... So the superlatives are, are kind of, you know, out the window at, at this point. Uh, the thing that I always wonder that we don't talk about enough, and I would I would love to see some roundtable with just pitchers discussing this. As somebody who understands the grind of the pitching aspect of it, do you still, every time that you watch what he's doing athletically, Mike, going out there and hitting the way he is, Think about just how crazy that is that he's doing both understanding as you do more than any of us do the grind that we don't see off the field to get you on the mound, just to pitch alone in these big leagues. It is truly, truly amazing. And I've been saying this for a couple of years now. He is the number one player in major league baseball. There's only a couple of them that I would actually pay to go watch play. And, and, and that, that's not because of, you know, the, 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 the phenom that he is. Yeah. He pitches and he hits it's because he pitches at such a high level. He hits at such a high level. And, you know, I, I, I marvel at what he does. Now you got to remember most of us playing amateur baseball did both. Of course. For him to be able to do it at the big league level has a lot to say about the angels also. Because they've allowed him to do it. And it's and you know, you remember the first couple of years, you know, he 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 pitched a few games and he was yep. outstanding, then he blew yep. out, and yep. you know, it took a while for and him. I, to and I thought, Mike, just to, to interject and then continue, I thought, and I was wrong, that they should have chosen one or the other. 
watching the struggles you just pointed out, I thought they had to do the Bo Jackson choose one sport. You got to choose which way. And I was wrong. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah, we were, we all talked about it. You know, I, I remember, you know, being on with Jeff Joyce on MLB network radio, we on, on round trip. We've talked about it many, many times because he was always, he needs to hit. I was like, no way, dude, he's got to be on the mound. Yeah. Right. Um, and <laughs> he's, just, he's just, you know, told us both to shut up it, it's and amazing. just go out and do his thing. I'll tell you what though, becoming a free agent, this is going to be a special offseason. I know we got a lot of baseball here in 2023 sure. still to play, but this might be the most complex contract we have ever seen in sports because the numbers that they're talking about is going to be as a two-way player. What happens if one of you, you know, you're going to give him $500 million and he blows out again and he can't pitch. You're going to continue to give him $500 million. I don't think so. So there's going to be all kinds of clauses and stipulations in that contract. Uh, but that's something we'll talk about in the off season. But he is this, he is as special a player as we have ever, ever, seen. ever. I think we're talking about the best player to ever walk in between the two white lines, which is, is it's, it's even a humbling statement for the game to hear, but you're not wrong. I mean, look, I, I mentioned, I go back to Bo Jackson. Just when I, for me, Michael Jordan, best basketball player I've ever seen Wayne Gretzky, mm-hmm. you know, greatest hockey player, but I always thought for me in my life, Bo Jackson was as good an athlete as I'd ever seen. I mean, the sure. things that he had done, I didn't get to watch Jim Brown. So, you know, the things that he had done were just amazing. What Otani is doing is he's one of one. I mean, there's no one else that is like him, which is why. And I know how, look, I don't want to sit there and say, well, well how can it make sense that it's bad for the angels? There's seven games over 500. But I think it's bad for the Angels that they're seven games over 500 because the idea of what he would be at a trade deadline, if they if they felt compelled to move him, if Artie yeah. felt like he could sell it because they're sub 500, because they have to, because he's not going to go back there, because he's probably going to be, and there's no order, Yankee, Met, Dodger, Mariner, maybe you want to throw somebody else. Yeah, but those are the four home. for me, right? He's yeah. going to stay in L.A. Yeah. You, you think he's going to go just go play for the Dodgers? I think so. Yeah, but it's, it's not going to be the they're not going to be the Angels. It's just not. So it's no, like, so so, you know, I've gotten on them for years. All the money that they weigh, because I, I mean, we could go back to twenty million dollars on the Cahills and Matt Harvey's and Tehrans and all the things that they've done wrong. This is admittedly an impossible situation for them to be in because oh, it is. It is. You and if you can get right. to the playoffs, you can't it, move them. This makes it this makes it just that much more difficult, if not impossible to let him go. But to tell you the truth, that's exactly what they need to do because, you know, the, the hard, you know, general managers are, are hired to answer the hard questions and make the hard moves. Well, president of baseball operations. <laughs> so, yeah, right. uh, general managers. so uh, you know, saying that, you know, we've seen teams in the past that they've had to make these calls that, you know, they're a relevant team and they look like they're going to be able to. Are they a championship team? Because that's the yeah. only reason you would want to keep them. Yeah. Can they win the World Series? And I don't think that's they can. the answer. They can. Yes. They can. They can. But but seeing and I say this all the time, the idea that that Mike Trout's got 11 postseason at bats and his one postseason one for 11 in three games against the Royals where they won 98 games that season, then went home on two thirds of an inning from C.J. Wilson. 
it, it's it's terrible for this boy. I feel for him because he's going to be on an island very soon when Otani leaves. But well, as you said, we'll we'll curb that for now. I I want to go up north as well, but let's go north uh, east. Um, and the Yankees, who obviously you know played for for a long time, you were a Met too. I always remind you what a Met legend you were as well, because you were in there too. Um, but uh, you know you always believe in the Bronx. Yeah, I don't know if I was famous. I was more infamous. That's a, not 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 to me. You were not. Um, although everybody's infamous uh, in in Met lore in one way or another. And lately things have been the wrong direction. <laughs> and a great comeback win for you. Know, it's always like there's two sides of everything, right? So it's like great comeback win for the Yankees yesterday after being down five, one and you beat Max Scherzer. And the other side is how the hell did Max do this again? Give up five runs in the fourth and all of that. I want to side that for now. And I want to ask you about what happened with Drew Smith yesterday because he gets ejected for sticky stuff and yeah. you, know, you get the, the umpires and I, and I want to read exactly what, what the, you know, it's because, you know, who knows? Well, I'm not there. Right. So, you know, Drew says they said both of my hands were too sticky. I'm surprised because I haven't used anything different all year. Sweat and rosin. He then made a comment that when he had walked up the field, somebody was laughing that there was nothing on his hands. Uh, the other side, uh, the umpire, Bill Miller, tells uh, the pool reporter, Drew Smith, quote, was ejected because he had sticky hands. He says, quote, I don't know what was on them. All I know is it was sticky to the touch. It stuck to my hands when I touched it. Not just his pitching hand, but the glove hand as well. We have so many problems here. I want to start with this. How can something this important be so subjective? I think Major League Baseball does it on purpose. Everything is a shade of gray so that we have we have controversy, so that the umpires you know have to make their own distinction. What is too sticky? Okay. Uh, if you remember that little clip that we did after Scherzer got ejected, that uh, David Cohn did, I think yes. it was on Sunday. Night yes, yes, it was fantastic. Well, yes, listen, real rock rosin, it, which is what is on the mound. Okay, it with the right combination can be extremely sticky. And so, what is too sticky? You're using it's a legal substance, and you're using too much of a legal substance. What is that? I mean. And we also have this issue that it's one crew. It's one crew that keeps doing this. And, you know, uh, you, you can go back in history, you know, balking Bob Davidson, who got me three or four times in my career. Um, you know, they all have their own perception of, of, of what the, the rules are. But it's kind of we're to a point now that it's at least raises eyebrows that it's all the same crew. And you can't tell me that it's just, you know, it's just the Mets or it's just one team. To me, it's more the crew itself. Um, I don't know. This, this is weird. This is, there's an adjustment here that has to be made. I don't know what the adjustment is. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. And, and, and my, just to, to follow on that, the, the problem that stems from it, right, fans will – they will gravitate towards anything, whatever we as a group overall say this is right. So to the fans now, this is cheating, right? Max cheated, Drew cheated, these guys right. cheated. And as many pitchers will tell me, and this is before this rule, since the beginning of time, I mean, there's 20 years mm -hmm. about the importance of grip on a ball and sure. the amount of hitters that have told me, I'd rather them have some sort of a grip on the ball so that yeah. 97's not coming at my head. 
you could say that till we're blue. We could have every pitcher and hitter lined up, and the fans will still say, nope, that's the rule, and that guy's getting suspended, and that guy cheated. And when we're making it so subjective, that takes us down, because I agree with you. I think MLB leaves some of these things because they want more hubbub, right, and more right. of that. But you don't want it to be a black eye and go in the negative direction, especially in a year with the pitch clock and so many things, which I want to get to, going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking about the right way to do it and pitchers got together and said, what is the right way to do this? To make sure that we've got enough grip if you're a pitcher, but that it's not excessive. What is the best way to kind of judge that in the right way, Mike, without going overboard? I, to, to, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, you know, the, the whole thing with Scherzer and, you know, rinsing his hands, washing his hands with alcohol, which is the worst thing you could do because it actually activates the rock rosin even more. Uh, having an umpire tell him to go wash his hands, which with is alcohol. which is crazy. Yes. Uh, which, you know, I, I like the idea of them doing that just because it gives you it gives you a second chance, you know, because with this, you know, when they come out and say, dude, go wash your hands. You know, I don't really to me, that's telling that's telling Max that I don't think you're doing anything, but we're in excess here. That's we, right. We, I don't think you're we, cheating, but I'm going to be forced to. It's like being pulled over on the side of the road and saying, hey, look, I'm going to let you go. But if right. you don't go ahead and get your taillight fixed the next time, I mean, right. You're giving him a chance to get out it's a free. It's a yes. Yeah. So um, but I. I I still go back to the whole idea that it's only there's only been one crew that has kicked anybody out because of sticky stuff. You know, uh, I want to know what the conversations are that Rob Manfred's had with this crew to find out, you know, exactly, you know, is this just a coincidence? Are they being too strict? You know, what is too sticky? You know, forever and ever, you know, we all used anything. I use pine tar. I use pine tar and rosin. Now, you know, I always felt like by me using pine tar, I wasn't doing something extraordinary, meaning I wasn't increasing my spin rate. We didn't even know what spin rate was. Maybe. Right. So right. I wasn't increasing my spin rate by three or four hundred revolutions a minute. Um, what it did was it let me get a better grip and I was more consistent with the pitch. Um, where it really got off the tracks is when they started using the spider tack. The spider tack was what really, and because that stuff, especially, you know, so I get online and I start looking it up and there's like two or I think there was three different, you know, tackiness levels or whatever you want to say it. And the heaviest stuff was like glue. I mean, it really was, uh, it really was excessively tacky. That's really where we kind of ran into problems. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't, do they need to start paying more attention? I mean, since we've got analytics on every pitch within like half of a second that the pitch is over, can we start looking at those? You know, is is his spin rate on his breaking ball all of a sudden much higher than it was? You know, over over at his average his average spin rate. You know, um, is his fastball spin rate? You know what? You know, is there some other way that we can get a little bit more in depth with the numbers? to give these guys the benefit of the doubt, yep. you know, because yep. I, again, we still try and we're trying to determine what is too sticky. That's right. No yeah. Idea. And which is going to be subjective and judgment call. And look, mm -hmm. to be fair, playing both sides, devil's advocate, you can have one, you know, uh, you know, crew in the NFL that calls interference more than another. You can right. have, you know, one, you know, 
NHL referee that would hold the whistle and not give a team a power play in an overtime in a postseason, and another that's going to say so. There's there's some of that with everything, but any league that continued to employ Angel Hernandez as long as they didn't put him out there, I'm not really. I'm just not buying that they're going to crack down and get rid, which is is going to continue to create a problem. I want to get to this before I let you run, and I appreciate all this time. But the pitch clock, which has not been a problem, I, I would let me start here. From take yourself, Mike Stanton, before you even saw it in spring training, minor leagues, when you first heard this is what they're doing, to now, how big of a vast difference is there between what you thought it would be like and what it actually has been like in in its effectiveness? Uh, I was not a fan of the pitch clock. Um, let, let me change that. I wasn't a fan of the whole pitch clock, meaning – that they do it all the time. Um, the guys on base, stuff like that, I think that that's when the pitch clock needs to go away. If you want to add a few seconds, whatever. It really has been I, – but I thought that it, would, it wouldn't take these guys very long to, to make the adjustment. And, and to tell you the truth, I think they're still adjusting. One of the, I think the games right now are too fast in some cases. Um, I mean, think about this. And I think that the fans are going to start complaining. Uh, the fans in the stands are going to start complaining. I think the owners ultimately, and this is the one that's going to make things change. You know, you have a two hour and seven minute game compared to a three hour and seven. Yeah, minute a lot game. of less concessions there, Mike. Concessions, yep. merchandise. There is yep. a lot of money. Commercials. Commercials. But if you're a fan, you know, you're a fan of four and it takes $500 for you to go watch a ball yep. game. It's over in two hours. You're like, yep. what, do we even do anything? What, we, didn't, we didn't even spend a whole evening there. So um, one of the things that I think one of the issues we have is that I would love to see the pitchers start using the whole pitch clock. Take your time a little bit because uh, I think it was after the month of April. Now, again, it was still new. This was a whole month ago. Major League Baseball put out the numbers. And it was like on average six seconds left on the pitch because they're rushing. They were so right, sped up in their head. You're, yeah. you're t- so you're talking about just correct me if I'm wrong. Almost like a quarterback with a play clock, kind of exactly. learning how to manage that, right? And they're all over. Most stadiums are all over everywhere. They have two behind home plate, so you can't say you don't know. But I feel like in some cases that I feel like they're actually rushing especially when you get runners on base or things don't, aren't going right. You know, El Duque comes over from, uh, from Cuba, and he was, you know, we used to call Steve Traxel the, the human oh, rain delay. He El was Duque the human rain delay. Really? I never felt got, that watching him. I think oh my, he was so much more fun to watch than Trax was, unfortunately. It wasn't. It wasn't. He, did, he took a long time in between pitches. But Duque just didn't throw strikes. Yeah. He was always counting on the pitcher's aggression. And it, and it came over from Cuba. LeVon Hernandez, you do the same yep. thing. If you're going to beat me and you're going to score three runs, it's going to take you 25 minutes to do it. I'm not going to allow you to score three runs in just a matter of a couple minutes. Uh, so it, but, but between taking time in between pitches and just not throwing very many strikes. Um, but I think that the pitchers just need to – and we're, we're in a point now that we've had the, the sample size has big, been big enough that slow down a little bit. You still have time. You still have time. And, and I think that it's, it's something that is going to, I think we have to do the, I was, I was at first, I was like, Casey, I was, you know, at first couple months, 
let's see if Major League Baseball makes an adjustment. I think it takes the whole year because I think the pitchers have to make the adjustment first. Yep. Yep. Then you get a sample size of their adjustment. Then you look at the big picture and go, okay, do we need to add a few seconds? Do we need to, you know, not do it with runners in on base? You know, but I didn't. Th- I don't think the pitch clock has been a big, big issue. No, really. Anyway. I think I it's been. It's been spring training. Yep. I was glad that they did it in spring training to help them out. Um, the one that gets me, and I think it's it's calmed down also, is the pickoff moves. That's the one. See, I used to pick off three times in a row all the time, and a lot of times I would get the guy on the third one, but sometimes I did. Um, the third pickoff in a row. So mm-hmm. that's the one that I think they've they've kind of overstepped their bounds. But the pitch clock, I said the whole time, I don't mind it if you're just trying to reduce the downtime. But when it starts affecting the game itself, now we got issues. It's been. I just want to throw it at you quickly. It, it's been because I, I overall it's been uber effective. And in today's day and age, where at least the younger generations, which I think it's for are, you know, amassing four minutes and 30 seconds on YouTube or TikTok or wherever before they go somewhere else. It's going to be easier for them. We're old heads like us and certainly former players like you. It's going to be a little harder for us, I think, to to take away from because just it, it was an experience going to a baseball game. Right. But I, I want to throw this at you quickly, because one of the things that to me has been a problem that won't come up until we get into September, October and why I have felt that I'd like to see it maybe for the first seven innings and then dissipate. I like that. I love. Mine was six innings. So you do two thirds. Yeah, either way. Yeah, either way. But yeah, but I, but I think we're on the same page because here's the thing, Mike, like, and I love basketball, but you don't, and it, it, everything's great in its own way. But like when Steph Curry is going to take it, that thing comes at you so quick. We have to watch eight replays to then relive that moment. One of the great things about baseball and why the late Vin Scully who's the greatest broadcaster ever was able to have us all with our hair standing up when it was three, two, two out is because there's that, that noise of the crowd, that feeling when you're in the crowd, that feeling of, of, of that, you know, that, that picture like yourself looking into, you know, what yeah. the signs are and, and all of that emotion and anxiety builds in all of us. Yeah, and I'm getting goosebumps run. now. I don't want to take that away. And that on May 8th or June 15th or whatever today is, that's okay. But I worry about that when we get to the playoffs. And if we're able to have different rules about ghost runners and things of that nature, even if just for the postseason we – you know, shortened it down. I worry about that because those are the moments that I want to see take a little bit longer. So I hope once you get to once you get to uh, to October, what my hope is is they just nullify the pitch clock altogether for the postseason. Yeah, because what you've done is you've spent the whole year increasing the pitcher's tempo. That's going to continue. They're not going to all of a sudden start taking an extra twenty five seconds in between pitches because they're not used to doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all creatures of habit, and that's really what this was all about, uh, it, the pitch clock forcing the pitchers to, you know, go ahead and throw the baseball, you know, not take as much time in between pitches. But I hope when we get to October that they just nullify it all together because who, when was the last person somebody complained about a long postseason game? Never. never. No, never. And certainly the network's. Never oh, yeah. complained. Uh, Mike, appreciate you. Thank you so much for doing this, man, and for all the time. Anytime, man. Don't, hey, reach out, man. Don't, it doesn't I will. have to be months in between. I will. I will. I will. I try because I, you know what it is? It's like I, 
I would, I never want to like, I don't, I don't like bugging everybody. So it's no, like, I try, but, but now hey, I will, just I'm going to annoy the crap out of you from now on. Uh, Mike, like appreci I appreciate you, buddy. We can do this all day. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Uh, you can always get us on the Believe Network, both of us, Believe in the Bronx, and here at Unfiltered, where we are in the books, always presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.